First Corinthians chapter 2, verse 11. And it reads as follows. I need the part that it says, for we are not ignorant of his devices. Least Satan should take an advantage of us. Brethren, we need to understand the days and the times we are living in. Ignorance is going to be the death of us. The devil has changed his tactics. He is no longer operating the way that we know. And we need to be wise as children of the Lord. So in 1 Corinthians 2 verse 11, it is actually taking, talking about what the devil is doing in our lives. For we are not ignorant of his devices. Or are we? We might be ignorant. In the dictionary, ignorance means a lack of knowledge or a lack of education or a lack of awareness. And usually we have knowledge, but we lack awareness. Things creep on us unaware. To be aware means to be vigilant or alert. We are not ignorant of his devices. And what are devices? These are schemes to deceive, stratagem, or to trick. Not the purpose of the devices of the devil, to trick us. In Psalms 144 verse 1, and we'll be reading from the King's, King James Version, Psalms 144 verse 1. Bless the Lord my strength, which teaches my hands to war and my fingers to fight. We have got somebody who knows the devil from in and out, who is able to teach our hands to war and our fingers to fight. For we are not ignorant of his devices. God will teach us to battle. God will teach us to fight. But we need to be aware of the devices of the devil to be able to fight this war and survive. Yeah. And these days, he knows his time is gone. Yeah. Jesus is about to come. He is on an agenda to sweep as many people as he can to be with him in the pit of hell. And we need to be very aware, saints. As Christians, are we so ignorant that we are falling in his traps to deceive us? Adam and Eve were very ignorant of the devil's devices. So here we are. We lost our rights to the Garden of Eden. We lost our rights to the earth. We thank God for Jesus Christ, who despoiled the devil and repossessed that which was originally ours. However, there are many ways in which the devil tricks us in losing our potential to operate as children of God in dominion on the earth. The examples I'll give you are examples that I have gone through. I want to talk about what I've experienced. And I woke up late and say, Esh, I was sleeping. Esh, this crept on me. Esh, I should have known better. And in this way, I hope that as children of God, we stand together and we are able to war 
intelligently, spiritually, and even mentally. For the battlefield is in our mindset. Above all, it's in our mind. So as children of God, we need to know. And I'll start with the first one. From Matthew 22, verse 37 to, to 40. But I'll break it down. In Matthew 22, from verse 37, Jesus said unto him, this was the young ruler was asking, what commandments should I follow? I'm good and all that. And Jesus just gave him a very simple answer. You know, the gospel is simple. I don't know why we complicate it, but the gospel is very simple. Jesus said, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind. The next verse. This is the first and the great command. So here, Jesus says, this is the first and the great command. How do we display our love of God? Because this is coming from Exodus chapter 20 from verse 3 to 7. How do we come to the sanctuary to meet with God? Do we prepare ourselves or we just come? Even when we are going to meet our boyfriend, our girlfriend, we prepare ourselves. And I remember when I was young, it has nothing to do with the bathing. It is the mental preparation. Today, I have an appointment with, mm, he's coming to see me or I'm going to see him. It's the mental preparation. It's not the clothes. I don't know why people talk about she's dressed smartly, he's dressed in a suit. No, 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 no. It's the mental preparation. That when you say hi, <laughs> you know, long ago, we used to go like this, long ago. These days, they are very wise. They don't do that. They look at him and say, <laughs> Tina, we used to go on the floor. The grass will be finished. If there was a leaf here, the leaf will be finished. Because we are preparing ourselves for the person that we love. What do we do for our God when we're coming to meet him? Even those who go to Sangomas, they prepare for Amadrosi Abu. They do that for their spirits, for their ancestors. Coming from far, they kneel down, they clap, they chant, and they bow. And they never come in empty-handed. Never. Nobody will go to us. If you, even if you have never been there, they'll tell you what have you got in your pocket. We can't go without anything. With us, we don't even have respect of him. Even when we agree communally that we will meet him at such and such a time. Nine o'clock we are meeting or it's ten o'clock we are meeting or it's seven o'clock for prayer we are meeting. We are so carefree and the devil has took advantage. We are carefree and we have slowly lost our reverence of God. Our service and worship of God is in our actions. That spares our spiritual love of God. You cannot say you love God and your actions are doing something. Even if you don't feel it, when you start doing the thing, the love breaks up in you. So we need to know we can't be deceived by the devil. Coming relaxed, coming carefree, coming uncleansed. My mom, and I thank God for my mom. My mom is in a wheelchair. My mom is never late 
for service. She needs a caregiver to prepare. You will get a mouthful if you delay her. I need to be up two hours before to make sure that my mom is ready. Then I need to prepare myself. We even forgo breakfast. He will tell you, kneel on the mouth. I'm going to my God. I don't have time for breakfast. Kneel in the mouth. So we go early. And we arrive on time. Harvester, what is your excuse for coming late to meet your God? What is your reason for not coming? Yesterday I laughed. One of my sisters said, so mama, tomorrow we'll remain together because it's cold. You should have seen the expression on her face. Ah! And I laughed. I said, you don't know her. Ah! When I didn't know God, it was raining. It was cold. I would go to the clubs and be cold there and dancing buffalo soldier. And for God, because of the weather, I don't go. Never. Rain or sunshine, I'm going. That's my mother. And that is where I've learned that rain or sunshine, for God, I am going. It is better I freeze there. Because in the nightclub where she's saying in the hotels, they used to freeze just to see that singer come and perform. She won't miss a service. And I'm challenged. She's 85 years old. In a wheelchair. I'm young. But I have reasons why I don't come to church. I have excuses why I can't wake up in the morning. But she has taught me something. The devil creeps on us slowly. I start by not waking up. I say I'm going to be online. Very soon I'm not even online. Very soon I'm not meeting the saints. And how ignorant are we of the devil's plies? Matthew 22, 39 and 40, Jesus continues. And the second, and the second is like unto it. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. 40. On these two commandments hang the law and the prophets. Isn't it amazing? On the two commandments, love God with all your heart, your strength, your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Just by following those two, I would have fulfilled all 613 laws found in the Mosaic law as given in the Torah. This is Bible school speaking. <laughs> because we always talk about the Ten Commandments. Bible school, you get to learn of the 613. And then I fulfill all 613 just by two laws. Loving God and loving my neighbor. And again in this area, we seem to be ignorant saints. We need to be careful when our relationships are poisoned. Who gains? The devil will bring a wedge in our relationship. The very person who is my covering, who is my destiny helper, is the one the devil will poison in my spirit. So we don't think why so and so always phones us. And some of us, we are actually irritated. Hi, this one. Always phoning me, always phoning me. And they're not phoning because they're asking for money. They're checking up on us. And some of us, we've actually removed ourselves from family groups and group chats because we are tired. It's too much. But why not mute the notification? Read it later when you are free. Because that fair person we are muting, that person we are ignoring, might be our destiny helper. 
might be the very one who is going to lift us. Yourself. You complain when you don't get birthday messages. Who do you send birthday messages to? You are not on any group, Moose. You are not talking to anyone. So how are we going to birthday you? But in the same vein, if you want birthday messages, send us birthday messages. Then we will send you birthday messages. The world is very clever and it knows. You scratch my back, I scratch yours. But in the church we want to complain. So and so doesn't phone me. So and so doesn't chat. To. Who are you chatting? Who are you checking up on? Who are you asking? How are you? Imagine with COVID. During the unrest, I got so tense. I tried Mom Janet's number, voicemail. Bush's number, voicemail. Tabang's number, voicemail. Uh, uh, the, 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 the Doris voicemail and I'm like God what is happening and I said Lord I can't even go to Alex I'm afraid by what we saw I started praying and when I saw her come in last week oh my spirit said thank you Jesus because during the unrest check up on someone we don't know who we have and the devil is stealing from us in relationship we get cold and we don't care the second strategy we must know is from 2 Corinthians 2, verse 10 and 11. 2 Corinthians 2, verse 10 and 11. I'll read it. To whom you forgive anything, I forgive also. For if I forgive anything to whom I forgave it, for your sakes, forgave it in the person of Christ. Least certain, brethren, should get an advantage of us. Unforgiveness is the best strategy of the devil to keep us from having peace and fellowship with others. Many of us are walking in bitterness, in anger, in lemon faces, lemon spirits, or should I say lime, in our hearts. And Jesus says we need to forgive seven times, 70 times. And that is 490 times. We sleep eight hours, so we have 16 hours when we are awake. That is 960 minutes. Of these, we get uh, offended or angry 490 minutes. So we give and we forgive and we forgive and we forgive. So what is it that we need to do and how long? If we are angry over something that happened yesterday, last week, last year, or years ago, the devil is a liar. And the Bible says in Matthew 6, 14 to 15, for if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly father will also forgive you. But if you forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your heavenly father forgive your trespasses. The devil's trick is to keep us in a state of unforgiveness. For he knows that even if I pray, even if I fast, God is not going to hear. God's spirit cannot be near a spirit of unforgiveness and bitterness. And I have learned that if I have a disagreement with someone, even if I'm right, I, the one who's hating, the one who is crying to the Lord, will go and ask for forgiveness. I don't care that afterwards they are going to whisper, you see her, she came and apologized. She was wrong. 
I, do, I do not care. Because saints, what is important? My relationship with God is restored. Talk. And the word says they will talk. You do right, they talk. You do wrong, they talk. You succeed, they talk. You fail, they talk. So why not wake the peace? Because when I have peace, I come boldly before the throne of God. The devil cannot whisper, you know what, you are angry with Michelle. The Bible says you can't even give an offering when you are angry with Michelle. I'm able to talk to God with a clean and peaceful heart. Even those who slander us and gossip. At work, I had a colleague who slandered me to management. That management called me and said, ah, Mazwana, so and so talks badly about to us. And I say, what do you think? What we know your works. We know your performance. You know what you are able to do. We don't listen to him, but we are so worried you have pulled him close. And I smiled. Have your friends close. But your enemies were closer. He didn't know that I knew. He didn't know that I understood. So what I did is I would delegate all the duties with him. And he would boast. You see her. The deputy principal is giving me work. And I will laugh and say, good and faithful servant. <laughs> you are working for me. And he will talk bad about me. But he was good at his work. Why would I not use somebody who is good at his work? Because he's slandering me. No. I had a servant that worked for me. And I will tell God, God, I don't care. I don't care. I am going to do what I'm able to do. You vindicate me. And God would always vindicate me. He left our workplace without knowing I knew what he was saying. I never opened up to him. But I used him. He was a very good and faithful servant. So why don't you use those who slander you to do your work? They do it for you. I had less work while he was working. Yes. And I knew. So it didn't injure me. And I actually expected him to talk because now I knew his character. So when people would come, I would tell them, okay, fine, I know. And they say, you're not angry. At, uh, these are small waters. As we say in my language, these are small waters. They are, this is not a storm. It's not going to shift me. Brethren, let's not be shifted by small waters. The storm is coming. Let's not be shifted by a trickle of rain. The storm is coming. An African thunderstorm is coming, that the devil is unlashing in your life and in my life. And we need to know his strategies. <clears throat> Unforgiveness gives birth to depression, ill health, and that is where most of us are, depressed and in ill health because we are bitter. And the Bible says in Proverbs 17.22, a merry heart does good like medicine, but a broken spirit dries the bone. Many of our sicknesses is because of the state of our spirit. Being grumpy invites sickness in our lives. Proverbs 12, 25, heaviness is the heart of a man. Heaviness in the heart of a man maketh it to stoop. But a good word maketh it glad. So when we speak life to people, we bring healing to them. A heavy heart is full of bitterness and sorrow. We need to speak life. Proverbs 18, 14. The spirit of a man will sustain his infirmity. But a wounded spirit, who can bear it? 
It is clear that our health is tied to the condition of our spirit. It is our spirit that fights sickness and disease. But if we are wounded and hurt in our spirit, recovery is very, very slow. No matter the best health care that we can get, the condition of our spirit is paramount and the key to our healing. Forgive my brothers. Forgive my sisters. Let it go. Lay it at the foot of the cross. Saying I'm not like that type. You can't do this to me. It is not going to help us because the devil wants us there. Where you are angry and arrogant in your spirit. If it was done to Jesus and he answered not. Why do you think it's not going to be done to you? We are not ignorant of the devices of the devil. And we need to strategize, brethren. We are at war. The other strategy of the devil is to keep us at this bus stop of guilt and condemnation. We are at the bus stop of guilt and condemnation. But God has forgiven us for past, present, and future sins. There are people who are born again but are seated at the pool of sin. Not Bethsaida. They are seated at the pool of sin day in, day out. There is nothing, my harvesters, my brethren, that you can do that can shock God. He has seen it all. He started by Cain killing the brother. He has seen it all. So we can't sit at the pool of sin. Where the devil is telling us, you did this. You are not worthy. You are condemned. God can't receive you. God receives us. We learn to repent and we ask for forgiveness. 1 John 1, 8 to 10 says, But if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, God is faithful, and just to forgive us our sins, and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. We acknowledge our sin. We acknowledge our missing the mark. We acknowledge our rebellion. And we shift from the pool of sin and walk with God. He says our sins are forgiven as far as the east is the west. Scientifically, they will tell you those two don't meet. So here am I chasing the east and the west, following after my sin. It doesn't meet. And it says in Psalms 103.12 that God has done that for us. We just go around in circles. And in Isaiah 38, 17, we won't read it. I'll just read it. It says God has hidden our sins behind the back. Can you come and demonstrate with me? You, you know when I read this and I read it again, I realized that the devil is a liar. This is what he's doing to me. Uh, this is my son and he's bigger than me. Please hide this behind your back. And this is what we do. God has forgiven us. And there I am. And God is how big. And there I am. Trying to get it. And, and you see he's not even shifting. He's not moving an inch. I'm trying to get it. And that is what the devil gets us to do. To get our sins back from God. He has forgiven. Put them at the back. And how big is our God? We sing that he's as deep as a mountain is love. As high, I mean as high as a mountain. As deep as a, an ocean. As wide. And yet we want to get our sins from God. My brothers, my sisters, God forgives 
when you ask for forgiveness. And for God, you don't have to keep asking. He has heard you once and he's forgiven you forever. That being said, that being said, it does not mean that when I come to church as I am, because we come to church as I am, we are. It doesn't mean we stay as we are. Jesus is the only one who is the same yesterday, today, and forever. You are not Jesus. You change. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So when we come as we are, we change. Because there is only one yesterday, today, and forever person. And that is Jesus, the unchangeable God. Us, I'm a new creation. The old has passed away. So if the old has passed away, I can't be the same, brethren. I can't. You know, if BC, before Christ, you were angry, a gossiper, a bottle person, after AC, after Christ, there has to be a change. You are born again, and I'll use something that we commonly know, uh, and I'm not apologetic for using it, it's common. You go to your home village and your homies greet you with the brown bottle or the green bottle that you used to use. And you have been born again in the Lord for a year, two years, three years. If it is happening, there is something wrong with your salvation. Paul says, work our salvations with fear and trembling. Born again is step one. We don't sit on born again. We now work our salvation. So if your people don't know who you are that you have changed, your salvation is not speaking. It has to speak that when they see Mr. Jelly, I love my brother. He used to come and drop his wife with a bottle in his knees, waves, gone. I don't think today anyone is going to say, homie, ah. hey, the big one. In our language, we call it Ngutu, the big one. I don't think anyone will give Jele Ngutu now because he's a new creation. He has changed. They even ask him, why are you refusing our Ngutu? And he tells them, I met Christ. And they say, so what? He says, no, my life has to change. I can't be ruled by addictions. So we are born again, uh, children of God. We are born again. Therefore, there is no condemnation to them who are in Christ Jesus. And we love quoting this scripture, Romans 8, 1. But it says, who are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. If you are walking in the flesh, my brother, my sister, condemnation will sit on you. The devil has found an advantage. He will bring condemnation like you have never experienced before. The key word is to walk in the spirit, not in the flesh. There is no condemnation as long as I'm in the spirit. In the spirit. I sin, God forgive me. I miss the mark, God forgive me. I do something that my spirit, your spirit tells you it's wrong, God forgive me. I can't be attacked by the devil because I'm opening a door. And because we are human, the sin nature in us, we were born with it, it still comes above the blood of Jesus, raise its head. But the thing is, we have Christ and we ask for forgiveness. We work our own salvation with fear and trembling. Why do we work our own salvation if being born again is the end of all? We need to do that. 
I am amazed by the 21st century Christians that see deliverance as if it's a demon possessed or oppressed by the devil. You get delivered every day in certain areas. Deliverance is going to be our journey until we are six foot down. It's nothing that the devil possesses me or I'm oppressed. But it's because the sin nature has been so long in me that when Jesus comes into my heart, the Holy Spirit is a lot of work. So he cleans gossip. He cleans addictions. He cleans uh, the love of money. He cleans this and that. It is an ongoing process. Another strategy of the devil is to focus on the here and now. The other week, Dr. Andreas spoke that we need to focus our eyes on Jesus. Least we think when we look at what is happening here and now. And we need to focus on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Hebrews 11 says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. We can't allow our focus to shift. We are living in evil days, unprecedented by things we have never seen before. People seemingly in good health are dropping dead. Suddenly people are being diagnosed with the disease that they had no knowledge of. The devil is on a massive onslaught campaign. I have lost count the numbers of elderly people that I know who have died. Or senior pastors and leaders in the church who have gone to glory. The devil is rooting out the seasoned, wise and mature amongst us. Leaving the young, impetuous, headstrong generation who are curious and don't hesitate to try anything for fame and glory. Leading us right into the pit of hell. Why? The devil has a grand plan. We cannot be ignorant of. The old God believes in reading the word. Believe in praying. They believe in fasting. They believe in tithing. They believe in fellowship with the saints. Our young soldiers, not so. We say them even how they come into church. We see them on the phone, social networking during the service. How they chased after miracle signs and prophecies. And the devil knows that better the young soldiers remain. There will be no elders there to guide them. And they are stubborn. They know it everything. I can Google it. What did you say? I'll Google it. I'll Google it. You're telling the Bible, really, really? Google it. While you are speaking, they're Googling it. Even if you open the word, you open the Bible. No, it's not good enough. Google is the one. They will open. You said what? First Corinthians 2. Google. I'm holding the Bible for you. Never. Google. And they see. You say there are 613 12 laws. Google. And the devil knows. Let me leave these ones. The old are going. Saints, we need to pray for our senior pastors and leaders. We need to pray for the elders. Because the country without the elder is, is in trouble. And we are in trouble right now. We are in trouble. So faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. We need to hear the word. I marveled during the unrest how even Christians were posting videos. I watched two, three, four, five clips and then the spirit says, and then what? Is it glorifying me? And I said, no more. And I went into my room and started praying. How many of us were praying for South Africa? Or were we posting videos? Christians, we cannot be deceived by the devil. He keeps us occupied in the now that we lose sight of the future. Christ, the author and finisher of our faith. 
When I had that heart attack, not my heart attack, that heart attack, the word came. And funny enough, it was Exodus 20. Honor thy father and mother, that thy days may be long upon the land which the Lord thy God gave you. I'm sleeping on the floor on a mattress in casualty. And this is the word that comes. And I'm saying to God, Lord, is this long days? Is this long lives? The Holy Spirit will search in your heart for a word that is relevant for you. Because I have honored my mother and father. I was able to talk to God based on the word. And when you, Mzalwane, my brother, my sister, what is God going to find inside? You know the actors in the soap. You even know their biographies. You can sing the lyrics of the... Honestly, at work I hear, no, the one acting Unzalo, it's so and so, he was born where? What, what, what? But do you even know the biography of Isaiah? Do you know about John? Do you know anything like that? The devil is keeping us in the here and now. And we are so busy in the here and now. And the last, second last thing. Hebrews 10.25 Not forsaking the assembly of others. Sorry, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as is the manner of some. But exhorting one another and so much more as you see the day approaching. The lockdown has worked in the favor of the devil. Now we don't want to wake up. We don't want to gather together. We are relying on online services. That is if we even go online. How are you edified? You know when I come into church and I see Pastor Joshua, I smile. And then I see Pastor Zueli coming behind me. I grin because he's normally earlier than me. I'm edified that you know what, Lord, today I was able. And when we are having praise and worship, and I see Mama, Mama, Mama Janet, and I see Pastor Susan dancing, I'm edified. Look at their age. And they're grooving for God, not in a nightclub, not in a pub, but in the church. I am so uplifted. I'm so edified. What about you, my brother, seated at home? How are you uplifted? As much as you hear the word. And I excuse those who are working, those who are incapacitated. I understand. But those of us who are able, and we just decide, you know what, it's cold. In my bed. And Jesus says, where two or more are gathered. Who are you gathered with? Because you are alone in your bed. And you want to be saying, Lord, we know you we are with me. Sure, where two or more are gathered. You are in your bed alone. Online. And you're saying the presence of God is with me. The devil is a liar. We cannot be deceived like this, my brothers and sisters. We can't. And I also look at our children. And I cry. Because in this, Christians, many of us, we have missed it. The Bible says in Proverbs 22.6, Train up a child in a way he should go. And when he's old, he will not depart from it. I am amazed that our children that are able to sit five hours in school cannot sit two hours in church. That even when they come to church, we give them phones to play with. What are we teaching our children? I'm a product of Sunday school, and I thank God for the Sunday school. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. 
That song kept me, even when I went wandering, wherever I was wandering, the short lefts and the short left lefts that I took, it brought me back. Monkey see, monkey do. What is it that our children are seeing? In April, I was visited by six children. My eldest is 24. I don't have that kind. And the Holy Spirit said, you must impart. So the first day, I did the family worship. The second day, I did the family devotion. The next day, starting from the eldest, you find a scripture, you read it, you'll explain it, you'll tell us how relevant it is in our lives, and you'll have a song for that. Two, three days down the line, I was amazed. Two o'clock, the person who is giving the devotion at eight is seated. I need a scripture. I need a scripture. And he's asking, read for me. What does it mean? For the ten days they were there, they were looking for scriptures for evening devotion at two. The other one is nine years old. Ten o'clock, she was seated, opening. I don't even understand this. Read for me. Read for me. And then 2 o'clock, I felt sore. I said, come, my child. What scripture do you want? She told me I found it. She had a word. I remember when we were in church one day. And I said, read. She read. She went to the brother to read it again, read it again, until she could read it for us. And the Holy Spirit was saying, Christians are not doing this for their children. You come to church, you give your child a phone. You are at home, you pray alone. You are at home, you worship alone. You are at home, you fast alone. My children were fasting. When they were young, 10 o'clock. They get older, 1 o'clock. They get into high school, 3 o'clock. They get into form 4, high, like everyone else. They fast on their own. And the, the six kids were there. We had a day, I fast every Wednesdays. And I told them today we are fasting. And they said when? I said 1 o'clock. And it's funny, kids. One o'clock. It's not yet one o'clock. But the thing is, they fasted. So let's teach our children. We are losing a generation of children who don't know how to worship God. The last thing is, I want to just to talk about Cornelius. Acts 10, 1 to 4. Cornelius was a Gentile, but devout and feared God. He gave generously. He prayed to God always. Imagine this. He's a leader of a hundred soldiers. Battle-hard soldiers. And the Roman soldiers had a reputation of ruthlessness. Where's this one of the Italian band? Yet God was touched by Cornelius. And he says, Your prayers and almsgiving have come up for a memorial before God. Cornelius being Cornelius must have been a disciplined man. He must have had a routine for his prayers. What does his praying always mean? He wasn't surely praying our popcorn microwave prayers. God, thank you today. I give you glory. Amen. And God, we are gone. He must have been persistent and fervent. Like the man James describes in the Bible. The, fervent prayer of, uh, the, the prayers of a fervent man availeth much. The question is, my brother, my sister, when you pray, is God able to remember you by anything? Hezekiah was told, ah, when you are dying, sort yourself out. Hezekiah said, never. Lord, remember my goodness. Lord, remember what I did. Nehemiah had son Balat and Tobias, and he said, Lord, remember my goodness. Cornelius had his almsgiving and prayers. The Lord remembered with him asking, what does God remember you by? When I had a stroke, 
the word that came into me was Malachi 3. Who gets revived by Malachi 3? I did. I did. Lying in the bed there with a stroke, I was saying, God, I'm a tither. I'm a giver. You said you rebuke the devourer. Rebuke the devourer. I had seven charges instituted against me. Seven. And I said, Lord, this is my field. This is my garden. Rebuke the devourer. I can tell you that the next year, immediately a year, I was promoted, had an increment of 22%. Because I told God, rebuke him for me. Christians, we can't be ignorant. We can't be saying like our young soldiers are saying, tithing passed away, fasting passed away. This kneeling down of praying is old-fashioned. We can't, brethren and sisters. We need to be alert. And as I close, I'm asking that we stand up. And just pray that God make me aware. Let me not be ignorant. Let me open my eyes that I may be able to withstand the plans of the devil. We are not ignorant of his devices. Or are we saints? Let us pray. Father, we thank you this after morning in the mighty name of Jesus. We give you glory and honor. We come before you, my God, because you have reminded us again and again that you are there for us, O Jehovah. But we need to come to the party, my God, where we open our spiritual eyes, open our spiritual minds, open our hearts, my Father, that we are not ignorant of what the devil is saying. As Pastor Dr. Mazabani spoke, who am I, mighty Father? We must know who we are in Christ Jesus, that the devil can take, cannot take an advantage over our lives. Help us, my God, for we are living in difficult and evil days that we are being caught unaware. The devil is toying with our lives. But we pray with this word, my Father, that we check ourselves that we are not taken advantage of. We give you glory, Father. We exalt you. We thank you, mighty God, in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen and amen. I will ask for the offering message. Amen.